News Talk On Demand. Interruption-free audio where you want it, when you want it. Good morning. Welcome to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Jay Thomas. With me, like always, Rick and Jill Van Dyvendyke. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Good morning. Great to have you on the show again. It's a beautiful, sunny start to the morning, at least where we are. So hopefully, wherever you're listening to us from, we hope it's the same story for you. It's it's a nice morning. It's a nice morning, but, you know, yesterday morning wasn't so nice. Hopefully, no one had got any frost damage. But uh, it was down zero most places around the province. So um, I, I actually shut the, the water off, like just the main. I didn't blow out all the lines, yeah. but I just shut the water off. Just thinking, like, well, yeah. I'll open the I'll open the taps. I'll shut the water off in the house, and if yeah. there's got to be any freezing, it'll have at least have a place to go. Yeah. You know, and well, nothing you got, happened. You got to remember, it was only going to be zero for maybe an hour or two, right? Yeah. So it's um, not. Water's not going to be, but you know, if you had squash or pumpkin leaves out there, and um, your grapevines or your, you know, things like that might have uh, might have taken a hit. Cucumber leaves might have taken a hit if if you were in a low lying area where you normally get frost, and you know who you are. I mean, the every, same as every year if you're in that spot, you know, oh, okay. where, you, yeah. where you get a where you get uh, a frost, you're the first one to get the frost. So, But that's one of the reasons why cucumbers have large leaves and stuff like yeah. that, because the leaves will actually protect the fruit. Yeah. So that's why the leaves usually get hit, but then the fruit's fine underneath. Mm. Um, but, but getting but, those frost blankets right now, if you're wanting yep. to extend your season, it's really important. Yep. Frost, frost blankets for your, your lightest um, sheets you have, you know, that you can put over top of the plants, anything like that, just to, just, just to protect it. And, and anytime it goes down below five degrees, you should put, if you want to continue them growing, like right now, people are still picking tomatoes. They're still, That's they're right. still producing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, this, this next week is going to be still in the 20s, right? Mm-hmm. Basically low, high teens and low 20s. So, Plants are still going to grow, and the nighttime temperatures are supposed to be still up around nine, ten degrees for this next week. So that's all right. So yeah, so yeah, why not for one night just protect the plants? And- protect the plants. The other thing that you have to watch for is your patio tropicals. So anything yes. like your mandevillas, if you have any palms that you want to bring in, hibiscus, um, any house plants, cactus, succulents, those types of things. When it's ten degrees or less, they want to be indoors. Well, okay, to that, to that, what you were talking about right there, I was surprised because we have lots of that stuff on my deck. Okay, we just thought, eh. If it goes, it goes. Yeah. Like I'm, you know, we've been babying this stuff all went all year, and and you know, it's almost the end of the season. Yeah. It, it's yep. getting close, right? Yep. And we just thought, ah, we'll, we'll just see what. Nothing. There was nothing. Now maybe yep. I just happened to be in an area where it didn't quite get that cold, cool. but I was surprised because it was definitely below nine nine degrees or yeah. ten degrees. The palms are okay. The coleus, which is really supposed to be tender mm-hmm. totally fine everything was happy like it's well, still happy well i usually happy. find that you're not going to see any damage or wilting or something like that on the leaves until it gets around 5 to 3 degrees with those patio tropicals but the thing i say 10 because um in the early spring it's that because they haven't been acclimatized yes, yes. in the fall it gets a little bit cooler because they've been acclimatized and yeah. we're gradually getting some of these yeah. they're, cold they're used to this they're used to the lower temperatures coming at nighttime so o- obviously they can't freeze because mm-hmm. Yeah. When the water freezes inside of them, that yes. does They're internal dying. damage, right? Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I was impressed because it, it was supposed to be awfully cold yep. that night and nothing on our deck 
has any damage so far. It's and just a lot of totally times fine. you won't necessarily see the damage till like maybe 48 hours later too. Yeah, so right. um, <laughs> they, they they might get hit by a little bit of a cold spell. You'll be like, oh, the next day, be like, oh, everything looks great. And then the leaves will start turning black or brown. Oh, okay. And then that's when you know that it's had some some troubles. But um, again, and then some of them will just come, they'll come back. And I've taken that some palm trees and I've just cut them back and yeah. uh, or ferns and poop, they come because the root's not frozen. Right? But the biggest yeah. thing with that 10 degrees is giving yourself time to reacclimatize them, A, to the indoors because you're going to have less sunlight and, and you're going to be watering them a little bit differently, but also debugging them. So that's really, really important is getting yeah. them in soon enough so that you can get rid of those pesky bugs because I know that or, we're even seeing in the greenhouse and we're dealing with like the vents are open all the time. So yep. Now we're getting our plants even acclimatized um, and making sure that we're debugging everything, getting rid of that mealybug, spider mite, aphids, all of those things. Yeah, and if you don't have time, you need to do it a few times, and you need to do about seven to ten days apart your springs, right? Yeah. Because there's going to be eggs and everything else. Mm -hmm. So then you may want to just isolate them into a different room, okay, by themselves mm -hmm. or into the garage or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, just so that if you if you don't have time to bring them in in the cold temperatures, you know, you want to protect them. So and wanna, I find Endol's really good to use. Yeah, Endol has Endol. a pyrethrin in it and also the canola oil. So um, you spray that every 10 days and usually you'll you'll combat the problem. Yeah. And then removing that little bit of top top little bit of soil is really important too because a lot of times there's eggs and larvae in uh, there. Especially fungus gnats yeah. and those kind of things. Mm, yeah. Right, right, right. Uh, how long? This is, this is my own question. Uh, hibiscus, does that bloom all year round? It can bloom all year round. However, when I bring my hibiscus plants indoors, your buds and your tips of your plants are going to be the buggiest part of it. Mm. So I usually would suggest cutting the plant down about a third when you bring it indoors. And then, so don't worry about the flowers. Just cut them. Like, cut them. The problem is there's, there's like 25 blooms waiting to go. No, take them off. 30. Well, take you off. can enjoy them if you want to, but you're going to be battling bugs for a while mm. indoors. Yep. Um, and that's where all the little pesky bugs you'll have strips in there you'll have um, spider mite you'll have aphids in there no matter what like you you might have been like i don't see anything on there but trust me they're on there mm. all trees love to be pruned it's yeah. a good time to do it right yeah take your flowers off give it a pruning bring it inside and then give it a good spraying because you you, you want the reason why i do it multiple times for it is because you're never going to hit every part of the leaf right you're going to be spraying yeah you're not going to get the underside of the leaves sometimes or each stem or whatever so if you get it multiple times the chances of you getting the bug is more is better than just one spray because you're only spraying the top of the leaves jay the other thing with your buds you can bring them indoors and put them in a bright sunny window but make sure it's the brightest window that you have because a lot of times people bring their plants indoors they'll get leaf drop and bud drop when they bring them indoors as well too they're like what's wrong what am i doing wrong yep. that's just them reacclimatizing right right right, right? so that's completely normal as well too well, so you're going to lose about a third to a half of those buds and and leaves when you reacclimatize them anyway so and then what you do, i turn know your, i know turn jay your, you look your, really disheartened well, turn right your now. outside <laughs> tap on turn your you turned your your tap off for that cold night so turn it back on yeah it's Put back your, on. turn your plant sideways on, a flat onto the driveway Yep. And take your garden hose and just give it a good wash down. What I have to accept, it like, so my house is full of plants already. Yeah. And here's the reality is that I got a, a deck full of stuff. Mm -hmm. And and there's, 
I'm a little bit sad because there's two great big um, palm trees. Yes. I mean, when I say great big, I mean, they're only four feet tall, yep. three, three and a half, whatever. Yep. But, you know, somebody like that was raised and brought up and it's a tree. And honestly, I've got no place to put them. Yeah. And I tried keeping the palm tree last year mm-hmm. and it, it made it to about Christmas. And it was just Wait. like one, one branch would die. The next branch would die. The next, the next. And it was, it was down to nothing. Mm-hmm. So I, I really can't keep them, which is sort of sad. But even the hibiscus. I don't really have a place to put it. You can move I, you. You my can house move is your, full of plants. At your house, you can move your dining table out. You tell my wife that. <laughs> the craft I'll, room I'll is gone. <laughs> the craft room. Yeah, well, that's my wife's craft room. She's like, it's not becoming a plant room. <laughs> I've been told strictly. So that's, you know, that's realities. There are, there are some things we buy, yeah. even though they may stay... You could overwinter them. Yeah. The reality is that where we live, some yeah. things we just buy every year, right? Yeah. And there's sometimes you can go on Facebook Marketplace or any of those play, um, touch base with your like local, um, seniors home. A lot of times they're, they are accepting plants for an indoor solarium or something. So if you want to take the time, get rid of the bugs off of them and then maybe donate them, you can do that as well. That's too. a possibility too. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's lots of little stuff that it's like, oh, that'll just, we'll, we'll buy new of mm-hmm. that next yep, year. That's right. There's just the three things on my deck that it's like the hibiscus and the two palms. That is like, well, like these are amazing little plants. Yeah. Get a grow light and put them in your basement. Well, I could do that, yeah. right? Could they live in a basement with no other light and well, just a grow light? Yeah. So, and what you can do is you can, um, that make them go dormant, especially with your hibiscus. With the palm, it's a little bit trickier. Um, but with your hibiscus, you can actually make them go dormant. So you can, uh, take the, um, take the watering down, stop fertilizing them a little bit. You can do that with your hibiscus, oleander, mandevilla vines, all of those patio tropicals. You can do this too. And then sort of let them die back. They'll lose all their leaves. You're going to um, sort of make them go dormant. Um, okay. You're going to want not like water them so that they're dead and crispy, but just water them a little bit less. And then in February or or January, you're going to give them more water and give them fertilizer. And then they're just going to start getting buds on them again. And, mm, okay. and then okay. you can enjoy them that way. So they do need a break though? They would, they would need a break if you're putting them in a basement situation with a, maybe a, a, like a small grow light, right? I, so can, getting... I can do that. I mean, you can get a small grow light and put it in the yeah. basement. I got room down there. There's just not I mean, a lot of light. You can also get a big grow light and, or lots of grow lights and keep them going all winter okay. long well, too. Okay. A couple options. Yeah. I got to figure that out. So <laughs> when we come back for the break, we're going to talk about bulbs, fall bulbs. Okay. Perfect. Hey, join the conversation. one 332 8255 You can use that number to call us or text us. Fall bulbs. We'll talk about that when we get back. I'm Jay with Rill and Jill and Rick. This is Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Welcome back to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Jay Thomas here with Jill and Rick. And we talked, we said we were going to talk about uh, bulbs for the fall in just a second when we got back from the break. But during the break, we got a call. So we got to go there first. one 332 8255 That's how you join the conversation. We'll check the text line here in just a couple minutes. Right now, out to Watson and to talk to Clara, I think it is. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. So you want to talk about blackberries. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. What's your question? The question is, I have two blackberry canes. I wintered them. I got them last year, yep. and they bloomed, and I got five blackberries off of them, and they're absolutely delicious. Okay. Uh, one has a cane about five feet long. Yep. My question is, can I bury it, and will I get another plant? Uh, yeah, you know, if you whatever sticks above the, gr- above the ground, basically, or above the snow, will freeze back anyways, right? Yes. So you could bury it. Uh, what'll happen? It'll come. It'll come from the root. It won't come from the cane itself. Okay, by burying the cane. 
You know, so you won't you won't root from the cane. The root divides by by the by the root, just like a raspberry does. Okay, on the blackberry. Okay. Okay. So, but but I would I would definitely trim them down, and I would definitely mulch them heavy. I did last year. Okay, that'll be perfect. But yeah, but just putting that top into the into the ground won't make them root. Okay, the the root from from like I said from rhizomes from root roots root separations like uh, the suckering type of thing. Right. That's what. Okay, that's what my question was. Yeah, that's how they'll spread. Thank you very much. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. Thanks, Thanks for Clara. your call. 1-877-332-8255. Okay, we're going to talk about fall bulbs right now. Yep. We're going to go to the text line in a second, but we promised we'd talk about this. Mm-hmm. So what do you want to say, Rick? Well, it's time. Okay. The, all the stores, no matter where you go, whether it be the chain stores, the garden centers, everything else, they all have bulbs in stock right now. And everybody comes in the spring and asks for tulips. And I'm saying, well, that's great, but I have, might have some tulips that have been forced, right? That were forced during the wintertime that yeah. are blooming that in pots. put into cold storage. put in cold storage, but if you want to go and plant them in the garden, then you either plant those forest ones and enjoy them next year, but if you want them in your yard for spring, you've got to plant them now. So really, when you say fall bulbs, you mean spring flowers. Spring flowers. Yes. So they need a cold spell. And that's what the, that's uh, and they harvest them all from basically Europe, where most of them come from, from mm-hmm. Holland, a mm-hmm. lot of them. And uh, there's some other growers. There's even one grower in Prince Edward Island that grows tulips. Oh, cool. And uh, so, but you um, basically need to um, plant them in the fall. And you, when you plant them in the fall, you'll you'll um, you'll plant them six inches deep, especially for tulips. Okay, and then that'll protect them enough. And the reason why you start them now because they root still. Right. Okay. So you put some bulb fertilizer in, or maybe a little bit of bulb dust in there, and then they root. And then next spring, they just pop up and start growing. And fl- fl- the first thing to do is flower for you. Now, not just tulips. You got daffodils. I was going to say, what else yeah. is there? You yeah. got daffodils. You got allium. Da- allium is like um, it's almost like an onion an family. Ornamental onion. It's ornament. got a beautiful round globe ball on top of it. Big, Usually purple or purple, white. Right. Yeah. Okay. And lots of people use them as cut flowers. Like too. the size of a softball. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's flower. So. Or you can get the smaller ones. Yeah, too. there's different mm-hmm. ones. Mm-hmm. And there's also um, crocuses. Crocuses. Now, crocuses are a lot smaller bulbs. So you can be planting those about four inches deep, not six inches deep, oh, okay. like a tulip bulb. Yeah. So uh, you can put those in. Uh, you may want to put in, in the fall, you can put in um, uh, garlic. Oh, yeah. We, we sold a lot of garlic because people, everybody's putting garlic in. And we got a new batch in again just on for Friday. We got a special order in because we sold out so quickly our first order. And so, yeah, we have another set of, and those are selling like crazy again. So everybody's into planting garlic. Who's all, everybody's cooking with garlic. Now, oh, right? sure. So. Sure. What I want to ask about that. So with the, with the spring flowers, the, the fall planting bulbs, yep. though, what, where, what area do you want to put those in? So for example, I've got a, a front little, you know, flower bed, if you want to call it, but it faces north. It's shaded by two houses. Yep. So it's like the very last place that the snow melts. Yep. And I've got hostas in there and the ones in the backyard are usually two to three weeks earlier than the ones in the front yard, like almost yep. a month. Now it grow, they grow there. They, they grow up. There are daylilies that come up. That's fine. It all works. They're, they're delayed. Do you but, get morning sun and evening sun? 
uh, you'll need about bit. eight hours of sunlight in order yep. for them to for to, a tulip for them a to tulip. bloom. Right. Okay. So what what will happen if you don't have enough sunlight is they might grow up and you'll get stalks, but you're not going to get enough blooming. Okay. So it's really important. So you'll have them come up late. So they're going to be coming up in June. Pro- they, and they could look good the first year yeah. because mm-hmm. they have lots of energy in the bulb, right? Mm-hmm. Right. But the next years after that, they won't have as much energy in the bulb to produce flowers, nice, whole, nice big so flowers. South or west exposure is your best. Um, you might get away with some east exposures, but south or west is prime location for any of your fall bulbs. I suppose, too, if you have it up against the house as well, where there's a bit of a reflection and some yeah. heat from the, the building, that might keep the soil a little bit warmer. But you still have to consider where you're putting these things, basically, right? Yeah. And remember, that's allowing the soil to get warmer, but you need the sunlight to get them to rejuvenate every year and for them to bloom. The sun right. is the fertilizer for the bulb to get them reju- to rejuvenate. Right, right. Okay. And you also and that's, have- that's the same with all the stuff with the bulbs yep. we're talking about, yep. right? Yeah, exactly. And then watch your packages, okay? Because you also, in tulips, you have a, an early, you got a mid and a late spring. Mm-hmm. Mm, so okay. you can plant them in different sequences around in your in your flower bed so that you get tulips coming up at, you know, within a couple weeks of each other. Because they don't last that off that awful long, nope. do they? No, it's about like a two to three week period that yep. you'll have some flowers popping up, but it's perfect because it comes up right before, right when the, the sort of early spring when you just get out there, but you can't quite get your annuals in yet. So yes. you got a little pop of color in your yard and it just sort of, it's nice to go out to your, your yard too and pick some of those cut yep. flowers. Yeah, we planted a we plant about 40 tulips around. Oh, really? Yeah. But, oh, wow. And we've got a whole bunch more we're going to plant So yet one of the things is that we are getting lots of questions, how do you plant them? I don't know. Do we have time this segment to go into that a little bit? We have. Yeah, sure. Let's, okay. let's take the time. Yeah, okay. we've got a couple so, minutes. So how do you plant them? Now, there's a few ways you can either dig each individual hole and put a little bone meal or some sand if you need some extra added drainage in the bottom of the yep. hole before you put your um, put your bulb in. Or you They can, look best in groupings. They look best okay. in groupings. So then what I would do is I would dig like quite a large trench out. That's about six inches. And then place my bulbs into groupings and then put that bone meal in around them. Make sure I have some good drainage. Remember, they're bulbs, so they don't want to sit in water. Right. Um, and then backfill over top. They can of be them. close, just not touching each other. Okay. okay. The bulbs yeah. shouldn't touch each other. Yes. Okay. And then backfill around them and then you're good to go for the now, season. And now, now they stay in, right? Like then once they're in, they're in. They're and in, they're in for them. year after year after year after year after year. Do they multiply underneath the surface? Do they, do they send little baby bulbs yes. off to shoots off to the sides and then grow yeah, more so and they, the patch gets bigger? They will multiply, but it is also good to replenish them over the years too. So as they're multiplying, they'll multiply, but that the energy's kind of slowly going out of them. So as they're multiplying, I will also maybe add a few others in maybe every three to five years and then you can sort of replenish them so you and, always have nice and every ones. year you want to add some bone meal or some actually some there's a slow release a bulb fertilizer you can put around for the summertime too and then that'll help re-energize them for the next year so and the one thing i remember too is that people think well, when the flowers are done i'm going to cut the plant off because i want to plant some other little annuals or something in those areas right you got to remember to leave those leaves on until they turn brown they wither up and go away how how long does that take that takes about another two weeks after they finish blooming okay and then because all the sunlight is putting energy back into the bulb again and that's when you want to make sure you're fertilizing as well uh, not during the bloom time, but right after the bloom time, right. fertilizing them so that they uh, they put the they build their energy to bloom great next year. Right, right. Now, that makes one sense. of the things when I was choosing the varieties that we were going to be bringing to Dutch, there is so many beautiful varieties, yep. and there's double ones, and there's ones that look like roses this year for tulips, yep. and the striping in the flowers is just stunning. So there's, there's themes.
names, like O Canada, right? Yeah. Which is a red and white. You so know, the, so you plant them in sequences. There's so many different creative things that you can do with them. But also, if you're wanting to get into something to collect, this is a great way that you could maybe start a hobby and, and start collecting some of your tulip bulbs. Fantastic. Okay, we're going to get to the text line when we get back. Right now, it's a news update for everybody. More to come on Garden Talk here on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I think it's time for the text line here on Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Thanks for joining us and thanks for listening. Uh, we're going to, you know, we've got people who have been texting us and we've got them waiting patiently. So let's answer some of these. Uh, a few great ones in here. So this is Linda in Regina says, my lawn has developed random brown patches and I'm able to remove the dead grass so easily by hand. It's just like the roots have let go. I water and fertilize regularly. What could be causing this? Bugs? Fungus? There are some grasshoppers around, just like there are everywhere. Mm-hmm. And Nano Man, you you go for a drive in this province, especially in the south, Yes, you better know where the car wash is because <laughs> the grasshoppers are thick. Yep. Probably not the issue. I'm thinking like sod webworms? Sod webworms, most likely. It could be cutworms, but cutworms haven't been a huge issue. And sometimes they are, but sod webworms have been the biggest issue. So that's where you'll see some spots and they just get bigger and bigger and bigger. Okay. If it's, if it's turning brown or almost a red color and it's going in strips, it could be red thread disease. And right. the re- how you treat red thread diseases. So just look it up on the internet and see what it looks like. Uh, that's, the be- that's the best way to descri- describe it. And the way you take care of red thread disease is not a fungicide. You just your fertilize lots. Double your rate of fertilizer. Right. It is it like the added nutrients that make it yeah, better? Or? Yeah, it's just gro- it grows it out. Mm-hmm. Grows it it out. basically grows it out. But now, it's hard to do it now this late in the season, but next spring, just make sure you give so it lots of So instead of fertilizing maybe two times a year, they might you, want to fertilize well, four times Yeah, you'll need to fertilize at least three times and, okay. and go a little heavier rate. I, I fertilize once a month. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there was, okay. There was, yeah, your, <laughs> your lawn is beautiful. beautiful. <laughs> it's fine. With the amount of water people were doing this year, that, that's that's fine, right? But um, uh, but you got to remember that... Um, that when the, when you're fertilizing, you should at least fertilize at least three times three right. times a year. So, so for Linda though, it's probably more likely uh, sod, sod webworms. webworms. And if you see Linda, the the little moths yep. fly up out of the the lawn when you walk around. Yep. that's a good indication. So how right? do I get rid of the sod webworms? Yeah, the best way is is by using a, a nematode. So it's another bug to go after them, and it's called it's called uh, uh, bug out nematodes. Uh, yeah, no grub out. Sorry, grub out nematodes. Okay, it's a little round ball you can get. You can get for ants. You also, you can get for for grubs, and you spray it onto your lawn, and basically they just go and seek and destroy. And make sure your lawn is saturated yep. before you yep. do read it. Read the instructions. Always read the instructions. It'll tell you that you need to wet your lawn first, and then put your spray it down, and then wet your lawn again. And then you have to keep your lawn. Uh, keep it moist. moist for a good couple of weeks. Yeah, just keep it moist, and then that way the nematodes can move around because they can't move around in dry soil. They can only move, nematodes can only move around in moist right. soil. I, I had this problem this summer, used the nematodes, and it was great. Yeah, yep. the problem is gone. So, oh, really? yeah. Awesome. So it, it does, it does uh, totally I've work, had Linda. Lots of people call in about the ants. They use the ant nematodes, and yeah, they said, well, like they couldn't believe how quickly it worked. So. Yeah, and and it's a it's an apply and keep watering. You yep. don't have to keep applying, applying. a chemical. No, you know, the, like the when bug, we chase bugs, ants. The otherwise, bugs reproduce. Yeah, right. And the ants will try to move away, and but they'll take some eggs with them, and the eggs will be you know eggs will have some nematodes in them, and they just bring the eggs with them, and eventually it just, just wipes just out. wipes out the whole colony. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Berries and Kindersley. Good morning. When should I move our raspberry bushes? Will they produce next year? Yes, uh, you can move your raspberry bushes. I, I like 
myself personally, I like moving them in April. So as soon as the frost is on the ground, and then I d divide them up. If you divide them up, then the first year you uh, you just leave them alone. You, you take if you are going to take some out there, it's very few because you want to leave a bunch of leaves out there so it can reproduce its its uh, its uh, its root system again. You could do it in the fall. If you do it in the fall, I suggest uh, just just mulch it for the first winter time. Okay, that's all. Perfect. And uh, it's too early to do it now. You got to wait until we get a couple of good frosts. Okay. Before you do it. Marge is in Regina. She's got two questions. Says, number one, we've got a little leaf linden that is growing on the edge of our lawn. Should we apply fall fertilizer in that area? Will that impact the tree going into dormancy? Which yeah. is a really good question, actually. Yeah, if, if you, if you, I would, I would wait until, um, until we get a, uh, less, at least, at least one good frost. Uh, right. Right. So that, that's going to be in the next couple weeks. Okay. We're going to get a frost. And after you do that, then the tree is, and the sun, the daylight hours are going down. The tree is not going to want to grow. It's it's in shutdown mode. So then you can do it. Then if you got some, especially if you got maple, maples is linden is not so bad. It's maples and birches that don't want to shut down. And so uh, those are the ones I want to make sure that I want to wait. And so if you wait until at least past the fifth, what's the date today? Today's the ninth or something. Eleventh. Uh, like eleventh. Eleventh. Yeah. So I always say if you wait till after the fifteenth of September, you're fine to go. Well, I mean, the other thing too is that fall fertilizer is meant to kind of be there dropped yep. dropped in the fall so that in the yep. early spring there's food for the grass right away and, correct and don't forget the rate you're putting it down your grass is going to eat up most of that nutrient anyway yeah yeah so, that's right that's right okay second yep. question she's got and this is a good one should we still be watering all of our perennials uh you can slow down on your watering but with us having these warm temperatures it is important that we still water a little bit after you, today after today <laughs> 30 degrees today 30, yeah. 30 degrees today um but it is important that you slow down on your watering yes. so you want them to start thinking about going dormant now that we have these um these cooler temperatures but definitely slow down in your watering but water when we're having these yeah. hot temperatures after, i think to, i think today's the last hurrah and then Don't I'll, say that. I know. Well, then, I think we got another we're still month have and above, half left. We'll still have above <laughs> average temperatures, but not extremely above it. Above right, 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 right. So, right. Uh, so we'll get back to normal the next few days, and, uh, and with some nighttime temperatures starting to lower. So you want to slow down your watering, start s stressing them a little bit. Enough water to keep everything alive. Mm -hmm. That's what I always say. Right. Yeah. But don't overwater it. So I want the plants to slow down and get ready for wintertime. Darren's got a neat question. one 332 8255 Says he's got a number of oak seedlings, about six to eight inches high, that I want to keep over winter and plant next spring. What should I do with them until then? Okay, they're probably, he probably has them in a pot. Okay, so bury that pot and all into the garden. So dig a hole? Dig a hole, plant it, the whole pot and all into the garden. And put then, some mulch around it, maybe? If you want to put some mulch around it, you don't even need to. With the, That'll just protect the roots enough. You'll get snow cover over top of it, and they'll be fine. Just take the pot out of the ground in the spring, and then... And then, then you could transplant. Transplant it. And you're better off to have them planted in a pot and dig that in the ground than putting them in the ground, because then you're not disturbing the root yeah. system as much when you're bringing them right, out. Right, so leave spring. them in the pot. Yeah, mm -hmm. and don't, don't if, there, if it's in a nice pot or something like that, don't put a plastic bag around the pot, because that'll stop the heat sink from coming in. Uh, the plastic on the pot is, is, is bad enough is, you know, to keep the heat sink in, but if you, it'll be pretty good. It'll be fine as long as you get a snow cover over top of them and they'll be fine. Right. The only reason I like to mulch for a little bit is so that if, in case we get a, a brown Christmas yes. and we get a cold temperatures and the frost can go down. So the reality is that for those oak seedlings, they have to go dormant. Exactly. It's not like you can keep them indoors and yep. keep them going all winter. You they have to go dormant. You could, you could let them go dormant outside, and then you could put them into a garage if you keep the garage around zero. 
But right? but we're talking a garage that then doesn't go below zero, doesn't freeze, so right? I could go to minus ten. Yeah. Well. Okay. If you got a if you got a heater in your garage, you're yeah. probably keeping it either yes. fifteen degrees or ten degrees yes. pl- plus. Yeah. Or you got no heat and it'll be minus thirty in that's there. That's right. Right. So that's sort of a tough zone. Yeah. So ten ten is actually between four and ten is a refrigerator. Like four degrees is a refrigerator, right? Yep. So that's okay too. But then every but once a month you might have to supplement a little bit of water because it won't butt out at that point. Uh, but uh, although the best thing to do is you don't have to worry about it at all. Plant that pot in the ground. Okay, there we go. Let's take a quick break. We're going to take check out more texts. We've got uh, uh, a text about a rose in Saskatoon. Logan is coming up. Uh, Diane in Saskatoon. Cindy from Tway, which is up by Waka. Cheryl in Melville. Who else? Cheryl in Saskatoon. Lots to come, so stick around. More on the way. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick Van Dyvendyke. This is Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Beautiful day on the way. Still feels like summer. I refuse to admit that fall is coming. And the S word, we're not going to even mention that oh, word. Oh, come on, Jay. Nope. We're so far away from that. Yeah, we, we better be. <laughs> Although I do admit that looking out at the Saskatchewan River here uh, from our vantage point that things are not as green as they were even well, last weekend. You know, like starting they're to green. Get some fall colors. There's a little tinge of yellow. Yeah. You can see some poplars over in the distance probably drought it you know even over here there's some that that's mainly from drought and i see even some maples a little bit of color were the ones that are have been in drought i mean well yeah, yeah. It's, it's been a while since we've had any good rain yeah you know which One, is also good for the harvest but that, I believe, that's not because of right? fall that's because of an emergency shutdown they, they, they'll shut down earlier because they're just trying to save themselves right that's right yeah that's right yeah one of my favorite trees that I've found this year, and I put one in my yard this year, is the hot wings maple. And yep. it's a smaller tree, but you'll see it's got like little red tips on it. And you see it early in the fall, it starts turning red. But uh, I wanted to mention that well, if someone's okay, looking like, for a smaller tree yeah, for their yard um, it's and a, they want it's a maple. A tartarian, so it's a so it's sort of in the same family as the Amur maples. Okay. And they turn the leaves turn orange red in the fall. But one thing I like about the hot wings is that all maples are going to get seed. Okay. Mm-hmm. But the hot wings get uh, and there's another one called crown royal and no, no, there's a few other ones around uh that that the seeds turn bright red they're so oh. pretty. When, when they're when they're forming and so they look like a flower i have seen that so i've noticed you have that's... a bunch of them just outside the front of the radio okay station yeah here. okay well there we go <laughs> but i mean yep. i was thinking now you say it i've seen something with red red the red seeds, seeds yeah, yeah they're really red and so then it gives you more color for the time of year you must have it and it's and it's, it's a, what i call a medium sized tree so it's it's a perfect tree for a lot of years well that explains it because those little seeds look like wings yes they do. Hot, hot wings, wings. Hot, hot wings yeah, yeah okay yeah. there we go there cool one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. let's do one more text here before we go to our call uh rose in saskatoon i bought the most beautiful canna lily in a pot can i overwinter as a house plant or how do i keep it uh, you definitely can overwinter it, but it is a bulb and it needs to go dormant for the winter. So you want to decrease your watering, bring it inside. The, inside, You'll want to wait for those temperatures to sort of hit it with a little bit of those colder night temperatures so it starts going dormant. Decrease your watering. Bring it indoors and you can either keep it in that pot and store it um, in sort of a cold storage area or you can harvest those bulbs and sort of store them in like a paper bag or some sawdust. Now, remember um, when you're harvesting them, they still have green leaves on there. So pull them out of the pot. And Don't take dry. the top off. Let them hang them upside down or lay them on some paper and let the tops dry down mm, and okay. the energy will go back into the bulb. 
Yeah. And that's all you pretty much have to do. And then back in February, start planting them up again. When you're planting them up, warm soil temperatures is what they need. They don't necessarily need light, um, but warm soil temperatures. So if you have a warm space in your house, just to get them going and then put them in the sunlight once you see them sprouting. Excellent. We got calls to get to 1-877-332-8255. Let's go to Gull Lake right now and talk to Russ. Good morning, Russ. Good morning. Morning. Hi there. What's your question for us? I was wondering what be the best grass seed mix for a farmyard uh, because I won't be watering it uh, around shelter belts. Yeah, your best grass seed is look for a for a heat and drought mix. Okay, basically it's heat and droughts, which will be mostly mostly fescues and rye rather than Kentucky blues. Okay. Okay. And so if you need a huge amount of that, the, probably the best place to get that would be if, is, is Early's Farm and Garden Center in Saskatoon. And, okay. and they have mixes, uh, like I just put some in some areas where I don't water quite as much, and it's called Western Parks they have. They also have some other uh, sports field mixes and some, also some real dry land, like re- reclamation areas type of grasses as well, which they put in, in ditches and all that kind of stuff, okay? Right. So they they actually blend their own grasses there. So you can get you can get whatever you want, or they can mix a special blend for you. Just talk to them there, and they'll fix fix you up with with no water. And the only thing you want to do is you want to put that down either this fall or early next spring. Okay. Now this fall means late in the fall, like basically the middle middle to third week of October, because right. you don't want it to germinate. You just want it to be out there. And so when the when the snow comes down, your moisture in the spring will then it'll germinate and then then take off. Okay. Okay. As long as the mice don't take it all in the winter, right? Yeah, that did take a lot. So. <laughs> so you wouldn't you wouldn't want any crested wheatgrass in there then? Uh. Yeah, there, there's some sheep fescues, wheatgrass. There's some they have different blends that'll do a bunch of different things in there. So like I said, okay. best to talk to them. They'll they'll put you in the right direction for your type of situation, and and you could buy it in fifty pound bags from them too. So, uh, what what store is that? That's Early's Farmer Garden Center in Saskatoon. Okay. Okay. Very good. Thanks, Russ. And they and they ship around Saskatchewan too. Oh, okay. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. Yep. Take care. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. We've got two more calls to get to. We'll see if we can squeeze them in here before the break. Out to Big River right now to talk to Grace. Good morning, Grace. Good morning. What do you want to talk about today? I have uh, some lilac uh, bushes that are, uh, well, they're very old. They're three or, or I want to know if I can cut them back to three or four feet high now at this time of year. Uh, You want to wait till they go dormant if you want to trim them that far. Oh, till the leaves fall off? Leaves fall fall off or at least get a good frost and turn all brown, okay? Oh, okay. Then then you can trim them back. Now you got to remember on those plants, you're not going to get the flowering until until the year after that again, right? It'll take two years. But yeah, yeah, wait till they go dormant. Either do it this fall once the leaves fall off or otherwise in the spring, in March or the first week of April, okay? Is that after they bloom? After they bloom? No, 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 no. If you if you're gonna trim that far, it has to be before they even bud out. Period. Oh, so that's okay. why you're gonna do it in March for like as soon as the snow disappears, trim them. But do it do it basically in October or the first week of November. And is that too being too harsh to cut them down? No, nope, not at all. Before? Not at all. Okay. Alrighty. Okay. Thanks, Grace. Thank you very yeah. much. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. A lilac, you could probably dra- trim down to two inches off the ground. It would yeah, come back. I, I've right? trimmed some big ones down pretty drastically. Yeah, yeah. and and they've they're right back up well, twelve feet again. And if they're and if they've got big roots, they'll just 
come yeah, back, right? Yeah. Just remember, you lose your flowering for one season, and then they'll bloom the following year after that. It's probably easier to trim those things in the fall when, you know, we've got some decent weather still. Most and, people have more time, right? Cause you, and I think in the spring, it's mucky and muddy and, yeah. you know, kind of gross. Yeah, because you got to do it early in the spring. That's what like I mean. Basically, before the ground thaws out in the spring, like completely. So as soon as the snow melts away, but the ground is still frozen, that's when you, you can trim them in the spring. Otherwise, well, they're not acclimatized to the cold. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. I think we can squeeze in just one more here. I'll have to make it a quick one. Waiting the longest is Paul, who is in Saskatoon, who wants to talk about a plum tree. Hi, Paul. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Um, I have uh, an old style plum tree. You know, I remember them when I was a kid. Yep. Uh, two years ago, I noticed like it was a plum tree, and I had a, a plum or two on there. Yep. So I started pouring the water in there and uh, fertilizing it like crazy. Um, I only got like four or five plums because I have a twenty-foot pine tree right beside it. Oh yeah, so it's sucking all the energy. Sucking yep. all the energy. Yep. I got a decision, right? Pull it out. Pull it out, move it, whatever. You want to move it, just you can either move it. Best thing to do is move it at first thing in the spring if you want to move it. Well, I've got, there's one, two, three, four, and they're in three clumps of, Yep. there's nine of them there. Uh, I don't know where to put it. I might just have to take that pine tree out. I've got, I'm surrounded by them. I've got lots of pine trees yep. in my yard. Yeah, if you want it, to, if it's going to do well, it needs the sunlight and not being sucked all the energy out of it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Hate to cut the the call short here, Paul, but we got to run. We got our news hey, update coming no up. No problem. Thank, Thank you, you so much Thank, for your yeah. time. Thanks for calling. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. That's who join the conversation. Like Brent and Grant, we're going to get to your calls when we get back from the break. Text coming up as well. More to come. Hour number two is on the way. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick Van Dyvendyke. This is Garden Talk on six fifty CKOM and nine eighty CJME. Round two, ding ding of Garden Talk. Here on 650 CKOM 980 CJME, I'm Jay Thomas with Jill and Rick Van Dyve and Dyke, uh, the three of us hosting you, hoping we're, you, we can help you out a little bit with some of your issues with the garden, plants, trees, shrubs, lawn, whatever it is, yep. indoor house plants. That's yep. Jill's favorite too, I think. Mm-hmm. I think. I like it. I like everything ornamental. Yes. I'm just like a little bit. I, I love the creativeness that goes into it and that you can change it up. And I don't know. I like making things pretty. Speaking of pretty things, a really amazing place to go visit yes. has got a special garden tour that's returned after a couple of years being on hiatus because of, you know, our pandemic and stuff. Yes. Yeah. And uh, this year it's going to be set up as a fall festival. So we're talking about the, the Honey, Honeywood, Honeywood Heritage, Heritage Nursery. Nursery. Exactly. Yeah. Honeywood Heritage Nursery. Themed, it's called a touch of autumn this year. And I think with fundraisers kind of being out because of COVID, they've really made a comeback and they want this to be hit. So if you're wanting to make a drive, yeah. um, it's about an hour and 15 minutes. Beautiful drive. Just head out. If you're from Saskatoon area, just head out toward Blaine Lake. Yep. Right. And then you make a kind of a hang a right, right onto Highway 40. Yep. And you're headed towards Park, Shellbrook. And Parkside. And it's Parkside. Just outside of Parkside. It's, uh, Bert Porter is the one that started up that nursery. He's, he, the Bert Porter is known for lilies that he developed and are, are sold and grown around the world. And they were bred and developed here in here, our province. In our province. Yeah. And so, so a famous, a famous, uh, lily breeder. And, uh, so there, there's a bunch of people there that kept that nursery alive. 
And they have, they, he even, uh, things like Honeywood, uh, Saskatoon, uh, there's a, there's a Honeywood raspberry. He did a bunch of other apples and that kind of stuff. So he did a lot of different uh, breeding. And you can go there and you can purchase, um, some of these annuals, perennials, bulbs, trees and shrubs right from their nursery there. Yep. You have to bring cash or check. They don't take, um, debit or credit card, unfortunately. Um, so you can go do that. But the fun thing about it is this is next Sunday. Yep. It starts at 11 o'clock. So you can hop in the car, listen to our show mm-hmm. on the way there. Perfect. And it goes actually right until 4 p.m. And And things for kids, they have little rides where they bring them around on on a little tractor and a cart around the nursery and that kind of stuff. What you're going to go visit is you're going to visit Bert's old homestead. That's what you're going to see. It's it's the nursery, the place where this was all done. His his amazing log cabin is kind of the, 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 the center of it all. And then they've got kind of a festival going on there during this time yep. too. So that so day, refreshments, right? apple cider, rhubarb and apple pie. Yeah, really um, good pie. Nice yeah. ice cream. And one thing nice about too, on the nice drive there, you go over top of the Petrofica Bridge, over mm-hmm. top of the North Saskatchewan River, and right at the bottom, of, uh, by just on the other side of the bridge, there's the Petrofica Bridge Orchard. Mm-hmm. So you get yourself some cider there, and or some apples, apple. Well, pies and yeah. all that kind of stuff because they grow mainly prairie sensation apple there that's in their orchard and and so a lot of it's all the fresh produce there that they grow and, and make us and it's all harvested and grown this time of the year as well so, so great have place. a look at it online you can go to honeywood heritage nursery yeah. on just google that um, it's called touch of autumn uh it's next sunday september 18th from 11 till 4 admission is five dollars um, they're yeah. going to have a bunch of artisans there selling crafts um, and different things. So there's going to be a little market there. Nice Sunday drive. I think it's, it's going to be a Sunday great drive. thing to do on a Sunday afternoon. If you're coming out of Prince Albert, you go head towards Shellbrook, and then it's close there. Close so, here. you know, this is this is a great thing. Hopefully we got some good weather next weekend yep. for this, too. Yep. But, uh, yeah, great family Sunday drive to go see. Yes. Yeah, really enjoyable. Okay, we've got calls coming out of everywhere here. So let's, let's gonna get through some of these here. We're going to go to talk to Grant shortly. But first, wait the longest in our lines in Regina is Brent. Good morning, Brent. Hey, guys. Great show. Thanks very much. Uh, Two questions. One is um, my hostas have developed some Swiss cheese-like holes in the leaves. I'm wondering what the cause of that might be. Slugs. I got got that too. You got those (laughs) slugs. slugs And uh, slugs are one of those things It's just they like damp, um, uh, dark areas. And in the shady place where our hostas are and those big leaves, they just love that. Um, There's a few things that you can do. You can put out some slug bait for them. Um, uh, They Also, you can pick them too. So if you put out like a pie plate of put some beer in there, they like the yeast from the beer and so they'll go and they'll be attracted to that and then you can sort of collect them out of your hosta area so that's a little fun little trick that you can or do put, put one of those you know those headlights you put on your head you know in nighttime that's when you'll see them you can pick them <laughs> that's the most most organic way of doing it. everybody has the ebgbs about picking slugs but otherwise there's <laughs> lots of slug baits out that are safe for pets and everything else too i like putting a little piece of plywood down around just small some little chunks of plywood and then i put my bait underneath those because the slugs will go underneath that to protect themselves as well so then that'll that'll take care of them right away mm-hmm. okay great thanks okay second one is uh golden mock orange yes lots of them grow lots of them um how to uh propagate them in the fall so i could get some runners going to to plant in the spring uh, the most house and- the most they propagate best from softwood cuttings in the summertime when the new growth happens okay so you can do the rooting hormone and take some softwood cuttings. Uh, if you try to propagate them in the fall, then you sometimes can can pull a, a little branch off the side that has some roots on them. 
because mock oranges have a really fibrous root system. So sometimes you can pull a branch off that has some roots on the side of it, and then you can get that growing as well. But the number one way they do it is by uh, softwood cuttings. Okay. Thank you. Okay. All right. Thanks for the call. Take care, Brent. one 332 8255 We're going to keep moving here while we've got the time. Thanks uh, for all the patience. For, uh, Grant, we're going to go to Lancer right now and talk to Grant. Good morning, Grant. Good morning. So you got a Catoni Aster hedge you want to deal with, right? Yep. It's uh, about gotten to be about eight feet high and eight feet wide, and it's getting too hard to trim. Yep. Uh, when can I trim it down, and how much? Can I cut it down to, say, five by five? Or? Not, not a problem at all. Wait till after it turns red. Okay. And then you can do it because that when red means when it turns red, that means the color is is, is it's ready for winter time. And then okay. after that, any time after that, if you want to enjoy the red for a bit, then enjoy the red. But as soon as the, or the orange color that they turn in the fall, but yep. other than that, uh, right after that, you can trim them down, or you can do it in March as well, as soon as the snow disappears. And Grant can go like five by five, or four by four, or four three by, by four, three, by or three, two by three. two. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can okay. really trim it down. Not a problem. Yep. Thank you very much. Okay. Thanks, Grant. Take care. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Getting through these, and we're going to go to Battleford right now and talk to Sandra. Hi, Sandra. Good morning. Good morning. I've been deep watering my spruce trees. Yeah. And now I've been wondering if I'm doing it too early, and I'll have to do it again. Yeah. Well, right now you're doing it because of this heat, the heat weather we've just came through. Okay. Yeah. So you're going to want to do it again about in October. Okay. Okay. Like. Towards the end of October? Well, middle of October, because the end of October might be, you might not be able to do it anymore. It depends on right. the year, right? Right. So about the middle of October, give them, give them one last good watering, but now you should start slowing down the watering, okay? Okay. And so that they get ready for wintertime, and then get the, right when the weather turns cooler, then give them their last watering then. Okay, I've been I've been inserting a probe right yep. down into the roots. Yeah, so. so now you can stop doing that, and your next one's going to be around the second to third week in October. Okay. And I also have a Missouri current that is just out of control. Do I need to wait till after it blooms in the spring to cut it back, or can I do that now? No, you can do that. You can do that as soon as the frost hits the leaves and knocks them down a bit. Oh, okay. Okay. Great. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks, Andrew. Take care. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Let's. Well, let's let's. Uh, let's take a break. Okay. I'm looking like what time is it? You know, we've got text to get through as well. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. That's where you can text or call. Kelly's on the line in Canisteo. No, Kelly, just hang on. We're going to get to your call as soon as we get back. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick Van Dyvendyke. You're listening to Garden Talk on six fifty CKOM and nine eighty CJME. Well, the phone lines are ringing here at CKOM and CJME. I'm Jay Thomas with Jill and Rick Van Dyvendyke, and welcome to Garden Talk. We've got people who've been waiting patiently on the line, so we're going to get to those calls right away. First up in Canisteo is Kelly. Good morning, Kelly. Hey, good morning. How are you guys doing? Pretty good, pretty good. Hey, I got an apple tree that it's got like about a 10-inch diameter main stalk, and then it has, you know, like three branches breaking off to it, you know, shooting up, and then you got all your apples and everything. Well, I had one just recently break off in the the wind, and it's kind of a jagged break, and it almost looks like it's dry on the inside. Right. And I'm wondering, can I cut that with a chainsaw straight and then paint it or put yep. tar on it? Yes. Or yep. do I have something else inside? Because a few years ago, I had one that got that black blight or whatever it was. Yep. And yep. I cut it all down and totally got rid of it. And I'm wondering if this one has that now or what should I do? Well, I, you know, the best thing to do is probably is just, actually, if you want, you can send a picture to rick at dutchgrowers.com. 
and I okay. can I can take a look at it. And I can I can actually have a conversation on how to actually trim it, right? But yes, you can okay. trim it off, and you should trim it off clean, and at a bit okay. of an at a bit of an angle so that no water sits on that end of that stump. Okay, okay. of what you're going to be cutting. Really good eating apples on it. Like yep. really good. Yeah, but you can trim it off. You can pretty much trim it off. Uh, you could do any trimming you want to do. You want to do basically in October. Okay. Okay. And then uh, you can trim it, and then if it's that if 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 they're over two inches in diameter, then you can want to seal them up. But you want to wait for two weeks before you seal it up. Okay. Just so that it, that that cut cut dries first, and then you seal it. Okay. 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 Thank you very much. Yeah. Send me send, send me a picture, Rick at DutchGores dot com, and then I can take a look at it and tell you exactly how to do it. Send me a close up picture okay, and a far away and a close up and a far away picture, and then I'll be able to tell you. Perfect. Thank Thanks. you, Rick. Bye-bye. Thanks, Kelly. Take care. Bye. 1-877-332-8255 in Saskatoon. Lorraine is on the phone with us right now. Good morning, Lorraine. Hi. Um, my husband and I are sitting here deciding the fate of our bridal wreath, Spirea. Yes. We've had it for like, probably 35 years, and maybe you know five to eight times it has bloomed beautifully in the spring. And, you know, all we've ever really done is pruned about a third every fall. Right. Uh, we have cleaned out. We cleaned out some dead wood before it bloomed the last time, and I thought maybe it liked that. But any suggestions? Yeah, don't, don't trim it in the fall. Don't. Don't trim it in the fall. Oh, yeah, that's the biggest reason. Well, all right then. <laughs> <laughs> you trim it every, in the fall every year for thirty-five years. Yep. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that's why you're not getting any blooms. Oh, for God. Yeah. So, so what you want to do is you want to prune it right after it finishes blooming. Okay. Okay. In the summertime, that's when you want to prune it. So let it bloom, give it a pruning after it finishes blooming, fertilize it, to get lots of new growth, okay? And then you'll get lots of blooms the next year, okay? All right. So we yeah, will do that. Just don't prune in the fall. That That's the bridal wreath. That's the one you don't want to prune in the fall. That bridal oh. wreath area It's is a beautiful, beautiful, long arching branches. Looks like, you know, the flowers right. all the way down the branches. Well, yep. as we were discussing its fate, I found a picture from 19, 2021 where it bloomed beautifully. And I said, you know, I hate to give that up. But yep. Anyway. Nope. Just, okay. Thank you so yep. much. Don't, don't <laughs> do any pruning. If, don't do any pruning until after it finishes blooming. Give it a pruning. Don't, you know, up to, don't even have to go to a third. Just give it a light pruning to shape it. Yep. The only time I give them a heavy pruning is if I want to, because it just got out of control and I need to really bring it back, but then I'll be missing flowers for the next year. Or 35 years. Yeah. If you prune it every fall. <laughs> Thanks. That was was a great call. And I'm glad we could help. That's fantastic. Yes. Okay. We're going to keep going with the text or the text and the calls here, but we got lots of calls rolling in. So this is great. Uh, in Regina right now, Grant is with us and wants to talk about moving a cedar. Good morning, Grant. Good morning. Good morning. I've got a cedar that's, uh, it's about four or five feet tall and I'm considering moving it, um, next to another cedar that, uh, a portion of it had died. I had called you about the other one a year or so ago and I'm wondering when would be the best time of year to move this, this other guy? April. In April? Yep. By, uh, by the 15th of April. Okay, so basically once the ground is thawed, uh, getting it out and moved just, early is the best time? Just as soon as you can put a shovel into the ground and it's not frozen. The sooner, right. the, and the sooner the better. And at that point then, in terms of watering it, um, because it is so early, what's what's the advice for that? Just take a bucket of water out there when you transplant it and, and give it a good watering once you transplant it. It'll have a good fibrous root system, so it'll move easy. Yeah. 
Okay. It moves easy, so that's one thing nice about cedars is that they are easy to move. Just take as much dirt as you can with that size as you can physically move. Okay. Okay. And uh, transplant it and uh, plant it at the same depth as what you dug it out at. Okay. Okay. And um, give it a bring some buckets of water in there and give it a good watering and away she goes. And I'd probably add some mic in there too if yeah, you some, have some some mycorrhizomes. Some mic or some root, or another one's called root booster. You could, or okay, you can, or you so can do, or you can do both, or you can do both. And Mike is spelled M Y K E, and it's a mycorrhizome, oh. a natural bacteria that you can add to the to the soil, so okay. sort of to help it to get going. Yep. So because I want to move this guy, or I'm thinking of moving it next to this other um, much taller cedar. Yep. I'm guessing then the the less I can uh, bother the roots on either of those, the better. That's correct. Okay, excellent. Okay. One other question, if yeah, I may. Absolutely. I've got a crab apple tree that um, has been in my place. I've been here for 25 years. It was here when I moved in, and it's, uh, it's, it's died on me. I mean, the tree over the years, in recent years, has been deteriorating. Um, so I figured this, the tree was done and gone. It has now been, it sent up some, some shoots, and I'm wondering. If I was to keep one of those, you know, pick the better shoot that's you know, that's coming out, would I end up with a decent tree from one of those? Well, it, it depends. If it came from below the graft, just from the root, it'll yep. it'll it will be what is the rootstock of that original tree. So it won't be right. if you had a, a you said a flowering crab, right? So if you had, um, it was it actually produced crabs that it, they were edible. Okay, so what'll happen is this one might not have white. It'll probably have white flowers and won't and produce these tiny little crabs. Okay. Oh. So they won't be a big apple. Okay. Okay. So, so even something a tree that was that old, yep. it would still be something other than what I. It might be something other than what I was getting. Yes, because apples it, apples are grafted onto a hardy rootstock, and so what oh. if you if you cut your top down, then you're not and you just get is sucking up from the rootstock. It'll be a yep. different plant than what you had there. Now, unless okay. unless it came unless there you left a stump there and it came out of the side of the stump, but if you ground that stump below the ground level. Oh no no no! The, 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 I still haven't gotten rid of the the original tree. Oh, okay. It actually had it had some growth on it in the spring, okay. and I was hopeful that it would survive. But it just uh, what was there of the main tree f- just finally gave it up. If, if it's coming from above the ground, that those those, those little what the the water called water sprouts are coming out of the side of the trunk, then they yep. will be of the same tree. Yes. Okay. Okay. And then uh, yes, you can you can you can train them up to be part of the tree again. Okay. So it'll be an adventure in exploring what I might get. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yep. Awesome. Thank you for your time today. You're welcome. Thanks, Greg. Take Have care. Bye bye. 18773328255. We got I think two minutes we can squeeze in one more call or here. Uh we're gonna do a choice land right now and talk to Tom. Good morning, Tom. Hi, good morning. Good morning. I had a question. Um my mom got some potatoes from her sister in Prince Albert, and she planted them this year. They're supposed to be some kind of white potato, and she dug some up, and uh, she decided to try to cook some up. And why would they be hollow inside? Hollow is because of the amount of water, depending on the how you water. And the, what, hollow usually means a lot of inconsistent watering. Okay. 
Okay. So with the drought we've had, just watering inconsistently, and then you'll get even some deformations of it, and you'll get some hollowness. So it's just and as they're forming, it all depends on how they were watered and how they were taken care of that way. But because I know the, my the, mom said that the purple potatoes that she yep. never had a problem with the purple ones. Yep. So yeah, it's just a matter of just the variety and just a matter of how you took care of them. But it, you can still eat them; they're still fine, they're still good. It's just that they'll they'll have a hollow spot in them. So and, it's usually from water and a really high heat. Yeah, so we'll get yeah. that. And then the other thing too that you can do is you can add some calcium into your garden yeah. for next year, and that will definitely help um, yeah. those potato plants. If you use a, 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 you're in Saskatoon, are you, or where are you? Choiceland. Choiceland. So I don't know what your soil is like there, what your pH, your soil, where the pH is high, there's a fertilizer out there now that has more of an, an S, a sulfur-based fertilizer. It's made specifically for potatoes. And that'll help them so they take up nutrients better, and then that'll also help that you won't get that kind of thing as well. So a uh, sulfur-based... Uh, fertilizer, yeah. And we like we handle a one that, that's made for potatoes. So, so okay. Because, yeah, she's had that thumb years, like you said, and, yep. and, but she said that the purple ones never had a problem with the yep. purple ones. The Caribs most likely won't, but like I said, on a hot year like this, you've got to really be consistent with your watering. Okay. Thanks, Tom, Thank for your you. call today. We were sorry, but we got to run. we got more coming up. We've got our text line to get to. We've got Dawn, who's in Warman. Your call will be coming up right away after this, Dawn, so just hang tight. Right now, it's a news update. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick Van Dyvendyke. This is Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Just half an hour left in the show. Can't believe how fast it's going today. Beautiful Sunday. Hope you're enjoying it. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick Van Dyvendyke. You're listening to Garden Talk, and we've got a couple of texts to get to, more than a couple, in fact. But we've got a call right now. We're going to go to Warren and talk to Don. Good morning, Don. Good morning. Good morning. So we've got a mushroom Hi. problem, right? Yeah. Um, our front lawn, we have this big strip of dead grass, and there's mushrooms growing in it. Okay. Um, it's been like that for a couple of years, and now I see it's kind of moving to another spot. So we're just wondering how we should be dealing with that. What you can do with mushrooms, they're, they're feeding on, 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 on decaying matter, okay, organic matter. So it could be either an old stump that was there, or old tree roots that are there, or it could be, it could have been a spot where they dumped a whole bunch of plywood from a construction of your house type of thing and then buried it over with dirt. Okay, it could be, okay. it could be a bunch of different things like that. So what you want to do is you want to basically aerate the area, water it, uh, put okay. fertilizer, and also add some compost accelerator to those areas. It's basically a bacteria to help break those down. If you don't mind the okay. mushrooms, you actually leave the mushrooms there because they will actually they will actually help break that down quicker. But the only problem is they spend spores and they produce more of them, right? So if you just yeah. do the if you use the accelerator, that does the same thing as the mushrooms do. And but there's nothing to kill the mushrooms. You have to get rid of what they're feeding on. Okay, so okay. there's no chemical that you can use for the mushrooms. So you just need to you pick them if you want, and then but aerate, fertilize, and compost accelerator in those areas, and uh, and keep it keep it well watered too. Okay, should we be putting down more lawn seed? Is that, uh, in that part? You you could, but I would do that next spring. But I'd I'd yeah. put the all the accelerator and everything on this fall already, and even more again next spring. Okay. Okay. Okay, perfect. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks, John. Take care. one 332 8255 Cindy, who is in Tway, which is near Waka, or that area anyways. We have two old Brandon cedars close to our house. Last year, they almost died off. They were so dry. This year, there's lots of new growth in the top, but the bottom sides look dead. How do I trim them, and can they be trimmed at this time of year? Yeah, so you can only trim cedars back to you still see green. 
Okay, so that that's all you can do. The sides you can only bring in. If you just see twigs, it's they're not going to come back. Okay. Yeah. So if so, there's just green on the top, and the sides are so dead. So what you can do is trim the top off so to keep them from growing up higher. And then next spring, use some uh, some thirty ten ten. And if there sounds like there are bigger ones, you can probably use about five or ten gallons of water, depending how big they are. Just talk to your local garden center about 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 how much, and depending on the size. And then do that every three weeks from Mother's Day until July the 15th and about like I said five or ten gallons of water depending on the height of it is each time and then you'll get lots of growth okay and then you need to keep it moist especially when it's hot because a lot of times you plant them on the north side of the house or on the south side of the house and there's it's dry underneath the eave or whatever you just need to keep them moist now and so that's the key if if we got like a little you know green top on it and the rest of the thing is brown then you may decide you would just want to cut it down and start again. Yeah. Or make it into a topiary. Yeah. Because it's going to be a long time before it's, all it's, the green if, comes if back. It's, if, it's all, if there's no green at all, then it, it's all brown completely, then your best is to take it out and start again. It'll be way faster than to try to get it to come back because it's going to take at least five years. Right. Okay. Cheryl's in Melville. Would planting bulbs in a raised bed work in our our zone, in our climate zone? As long as the planter is big enough. So it has to be bigger than three by three feet. Okay. And you need to keep it away from the edge of the planter yeah, by keep, about a foot. Yeah. So, so you that can we def- don't get to the frost. Yeah. Coming exactly. In. Right. If you, if you have trouble with that, you can always, what you can do is if you got a planter that's up against the house and you want to be closer, you can dig out the planter a bit and put some styrofoam on, on the outs, on the inside against the wall. That'll keep the side frost from coming in at it. Okay. Let's go to the phone lines right now in Saskatoon. Ian is joining us. Hi there, Ian. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm not near a radio, and so when uh, when I just uh, um, I, I just heard uh, through my phone, I just heard Rick mention something about watering. Was that for trees and shrubs that you were just talking yep. about? Yeah, for trees and shrubs, you want to now after today, okay? After today's thirty degrees. After that, the temperature is going to go to normal fall temp fall weather so you want to slow down your watering enough to keep them alive but that's about it you want to stress them a bit so that and then give them one last good watering about the middle of october okay yeah okay actually i think i heard i had heard jillers i think it was during the week um on the radio saying something about watering cedars or something because they might crack it was that yeah, well, you get frost crack on not the cedars, but on on some uh, on some ash and some uh, maples. You get frost crack, so that's why you want to slow down on the watering now and get them ready for winter time. Okay, just about a week ago, um, I, I took um, my drip line and I put it. Um, you know, I made a big circle around a bunch of yep. Um, yep. Um, it's a twenty. 25 foot green ash, a 20 foot uh, Scotch pine, yep. and my um, woodwardy cedar. And I, I put the, I let them soak like um, on a drip for probably four hours on each one. Per- perfect, because we had lots of hot weather, then they needed it. Okay, so okay. now that I should do that again. When did you say? So now you want to now if if you give it a good soak, what you can do is take a piece of rebar, stick it down about twelve inches into the soil, and see what the moisture's like. If there's still lots of moisture down there, don't water it again now until uh, unless unless we get a heat uh, hot spell again. But otherwise, you don't water it till about the middle of October, and then uh, and then and then give it a good soaking then. Okay. And okay. Well, sorry, one more question, yep. real quick. Um, I didn't get a chance to do a, uh, the summer fertilizer. I used the groundskeeper uh, just because it was always so hot, and or whenever or I wasn't yep. so, able so, to be around. So now's the time so, to do the next one. 
Thank you very much. You're welcome. Okay. Thanks, Ian. Take care. Yep. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. We're going to move on to our next call in Moose Jaw. Paul is joining us, talking about some roses. Hi, Paul. Hi there. A uh, couple questions for you. Uh, one is rose pruning, and the other is uh, managing my snow removal this winter. So I'll maybe start with the rose pruning. I've got a, a Hansa and a purple pavement rose. Yes. That uh, have done exceptionally well, and they need a. A little bit of a haircut. When's the best time to do that? Best time for roses, I always say for all roses, do in the spring. And uh, as soon as the snow is gone, like early, as early in April as you can. As soon as you can, as soon as the snow disappears and you can trim them back a third to a half with the hands and the pavement, okay? Okay. And then Uh, then fertilize them so that they get lots of growth and they get lots of blooms on them. Perfect. Thank you. Second question. Uh, we live in the country, so blowing snow with a tractor, not a little hand-blown. Yep. And I've got a couple fruit trees that they get misformed leaves on the bottom half or two-thirds. And I'm wondering, is, is pelting them with snow from the snowblower hurting them, and do I need to change where I blow my snow? Or is it something else? Well, you have to be careful, because the only thing that would hurt them if you've if you got a gravel driveway and you're pelting with rocks as well, right? Okay. That's what would that's what would hurt them as well because you get little almost like a hailstorm hitting the, hitting the tree all the time, right? And so, so will that cause misformed leaves? Um, probably not. Uh, what's probably causing misformed leaves if you live on the country is probably herbicide drift, and that could be from a mile away. Okay. Oh, okay. It, it's just strange because it's only two trees out of about ten that I've got. Oh, is that right? Hmm. <laughs> If you ever get a chance to send me a picture of the misformed leaves, to sure. Rick to Rick at DutchGrowers.com. Okay, uh, next spring probably is the best time. Yep. Uh, although they still look a little goofy, so I, I will do that. Thank yes. you. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Paul. Take care. Okay, thanks. Bye. Yep. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Okay, we've got a little bit of time. We can get one more text in here. Uh, this is from Cheryl in Saskatoon. Good morning. I started a few Virginia creepers each in an 8-inch pot. I'm not ready to plant these this fall. Will they survive winter in the pots? Yeah, just put plant there again. We talked at the beginning of the show is plant the pot and all into the garden or into a flower bed or wherever and then give them a good watering and let them sit in the ground that way. And They have to go into the ground. They yes. cannot the stay in a is, pot. The answer is no. Even if you plant them into a larger pot or a raised bed, you need to plant them into the ground. Yeah, don't don't plant them into a pot or anything. Plant them into the ground so they're protected. Okay, this is Dorothy in Borden. Enjoy your show very much. Thanks, Dorothy. We have raspberries that have bluish black parts or patches on the stems. What is it? What should we be doing to, to fix that? Sorry, they, what, was the, what was the plant? It's a, it is raspberry. Raspberry. Bluish black parts or patches on the stems. Yeah, so it's, if it's black, then you have a twig blight. Twig blight. So we should just trim those parts out and get them out of the yard, okay? And then, um, because that's a, that's a twig blight. So if it's, yeah, just trim them out. Okay. Don't put them in the compost, get them out of the yard. And then that, that should keep, we should be able to stay yep. on top of that that yes. way. Yep. Okay. Let's take a quick break. We're going to get to more of your text, the lightning round coming up for everybody. Uh, more is on the way. It's coming up right away. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick Van Dyke. You're listening to Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. All right. Lots of texts, not a lot of time. So it's the lightning round here on 650 CKOM, 980 CJME, and you're listening to Garden Talk. This is Ray in Saskatoon. Says, hi, Jill and Rick. I have some clover patches in my lawn in my backyard for the past number of years. I've tried Killix. It seems to kind of cut into it, but it, it comes back. The directions say not to use it more than twice a year. Any suggestions? Yeah, switch to um, uh, Weed Be Gone. It's an iron-based herbicide. 
and you can do that in between as well. That you'll probably get a handle of that way. There is some other ones that you get out there, and they're harder to find. It's actually a, a chickweed and clover killer, uh, but it's harder. It's a harder product to, to find. Uh, but there is one out there specifically for clover. Most people love clover. More and more people are asking for clover because it attracts so many honeybees. Um, so that that's another one is just give up on on getting rid of it and embrace the, the Over, overseeding your lawn and trying to get your lawn a little thicker, thicker might help yeah. you. Yeah. Okay. Especially because they most they start out in a, in a in a in a shadier area, right? So it just use more of a shade shade blend of grass seed in that yeah. area. And we usually find that clover doesn't survive the winter consistently in areas it's yeah. patchy. So doing a full lawn of clover doesn't look very good if you're going to do it. So um, a lot of times, if you apply that grass seed maybe late in the fall, um, you might have a better chance of the grass seed coming up instead of the clover. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this text just says that uh, I mentioned that fall fertilizer is applied to have some new nutrients available in the spring. What about, um, say, higher potassium or phosphorus in the fall fertilizer? Yeah, you could do that. That's why I like that one groundkeeper because it's a 1610. Most, almost all fertilizer knob is zero. So if, especially if you've got a lawn that's struggling, then adding a bit of phosphorus in that one time is great too. Okay. Scott in Saskatoon, when and how is the best time to prune a plum tree? Uh, as soon as in the fall, once the leaves turn color and turn, start falling off, then you can prune it then or otherwise in the very first week of April or the last week of March. Okay, perfect. Janice in Regina, I have a mandevilla that has done very well this year. I'd like to have it again next year. It, it is much too big to bring in as it is. Can I trim it down substantially without damaging it or does it? better to take off slips and, and get them ready for the next year. Absolutely. You can trim it right down to about 6 inches to 12 inches if you want to. Yep. So trim it right down. Um, that'll, give get it rid good, all, that'll get rid of all the bugs too. Yeah, give it a good spray with Endol. Uh, make sure you spray the underside and the top side of the leaves and repeat that about three yep. times every 10 days. Okay. Here's a, an interesting one. Derek is in Yorkton. I have some black morel and shiitake mushroom seeds and spores that I ordered online. Yep. I know the possibility of them growing are fairly small, but I wondered what I should do for the best results. Yeah, it's, you'll need to probably, for indoors, you're probably going to need a grow light or something like that to grow them in. And like really humid, right? But yeah. So but you we, need like, like a, a tray yep, with a, a tray lid. with a lid with a dome. Yep. Yep. Because it's got to be moist and humid for them to yep. grow, right? It That's will their... come with instructions, so make sure you follow the instructions to a tea, but making sure that you have a humid area and a grow light is really important. Yep. Lots heat? Times... Do they heat underneath? Uh, yep. Usually a little bit of warmer temperatures. Remember that mushrooms usually grow on decaying matter, right? And which usually yep. produces a little bit of heat in and of itself. Mm, okay. So those yep. are things they to keep in mind. They grow on compost, right? And compost heats up, right? Oh, yeah, that's true. Okay, great. Uh, this is a sw- an easy one from Frank. Too late to, to fall fertilize my lawn? Nope, we can do that right away. Right away. Yeah. Anytime, month, anytime the month of December, September, uh, September is great. And we can do it October too. October right? too, yep. Yeah, I mean, we got, we probably have a whole other month of green grass. But yeah, and right? but I mean, this, this is just get preparing the, your grass for wintertime and preparing it for the next season as well. Getting so. those strong roots in now so it lasts yeah. through our winter. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is Donna in Saskatoon. Good morning. Can you tell me why my two white potentillas barely ever broom? Bloom. Bloom. Sorry, me. Sorry. I trim it in the fall. It doesn't get a lot of sun in our backyard. It's facing east yep. with the other trees beside it yep. and behind it. So the trimming is fine. The problem is the sunlight. And need, she said she was trimming them in the fall. No, that's fine. That's okay. Potential is fine okay. to trim in the fall. They can trim in the fall, spring, doesn't matter. You can even prune it during, this, during the season. The problem is they need full sun to bloom properly. Yeah. And what you can do is just even adding nutrients, uh, especially some phosphorus type fertilizer, like a like a 15, 30, 15, or 
a 2020 that'll help as well but the biggest thing is the sunlight and potentillas are making a comeback they've i've oh, seen yeah. some new colors come out and some so, new so you may want to so. you want this fall or early spring you may want to move it to a spot where it gets more sun okay all right uh the second question is i've got canna lilies over water overwinter them pardon me each year in in the house yep. can't get them to bloom Oh, what you need to do is you need to start them up maybe a little bit earlier. So uh, make sure that they've gone dormant and you allow the leaves to die back into the bulb. That's really important. So if you cut them, the leaves off before they turn brown, the energy is not going to go back into Did the bulb. Did she say that she was bringing them into the house to try to get them to rebloom in the house? Is no, that what she's saying? Just overwinter them. Overwinter them. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so then bring them up maybe about end of January, early January. February. Yeah. Put them in a pot. Um, they just need some warm soil temperatures to get going and then make sure you're fertilizing them quite often. Um, and you can use a 20-20-20 fertilizer um, just to get them going and um, do that about once every two weeks. And then in the summertime when you're watering them lots, you can up that fertilizer to almost once a week. A little bit of bone meal too is great for them. A couple minutes left. This is Sue in Silver Park. I've got a ripe plum from my Canadian Niagara plum tree. Yes. Can I get the pit to germinate? If yes, how do I do that? If, okay, from The pit from the plum. From, can, okay. can, we, can we get it to germinate? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely, but it may not turn out to be what you think it might be because it was cross-pollinated, mm. okay, with something to so make to make the plum. To make the plum, so you may not get the exact what you what that was, okay. So it depends what where the bee landed before. Exactly, it came to that flower to yeah. germinate to make yes. that plum. Yes. Okay. A lot of them we use those as, as a rootstock. If it's prunus nigra, which is a wild wild plum, the native plum, and you prune and then you grow that that seed and then you grow uh, you. You bud on a Pemina plum or Brooks Grove plum or the Hardy plum on, onto that one. This is a nice text. Ted's in Weyburn and says, I'd love to have some books from Rick and Jill. Please considering publishing some similar to Lois Hole. Oh, <laughs> we might do that or maybe we'll start a podcast. Podcast. Yeah. That's really nice of you to say. Thanks yeah. very much. Uh, let's see. This one is from Russ in Rose Valley. When do we cut our golden willow and silver willow trees back? Uh, after the, after the, basically the frost hit them. It, it can, Willows can be done pretty much any time, really, honestly. But uh, if you wait till the leaves drop off, it's great. And the second one is from Brandon in White City. Should you cut back dogwood, will, dogwoods and willows yep. <laughs> in the spring or the fall? Uh, either one. And it doesn't matter. Nope. Dogwoods are hardy after the, too. After the leaves drop or before the leaves come on in the spring. Okay, perfect. Well, that pretty much does it for us today. We're out of time. Lou, uh, we've got a call. We'll get your Lou's call just after we get off the air here in a second. And a couple more texts we'll answer. If we didn't get your text, yep. we'll still shoot you a text Next back weekend, here. don't forget about Heritage Nursery, uh, Honeywood Heritage Nursery on Parkside, Saskatchewan. Great Sunday drive uh, next weekend. Perfect. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next weekend. Same time, same place. I'm Jay Thomas with Jill and Rick Van Dyvenike. You've been listening to Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM.